here this morning and week number two as Pastor Troy said of our Heart for the House series. I love this time of year. I love coming out of at the movies. We've just seen more people make faith decisions and come to church than we've ever seen before and now we jump into Heart for the House where we cast big vision for what God's calling us to do in the future and just believing together for God to do more through us than we've ever seen him do before and really this series is invitation for all of us to be a part of making a difference as a church, and, and we just believe, how many believe it's a good thing to dream big for God? Come on, somebody. So last week, we had a Heart for the House vision video, and, uh, and it was just how God is calling us in four lanes of ministry, right here at home in our church, and then in our city. How many know that we're now into 15 days of serving at the homeless shelter? So this morning, we had teams there at 5.15 in the morning serving, making breakfast, lunch, and dinner for 15 straight days. So we're just, um, hundreds of us will be serving there over the course of these 15 days. We're in the midst of it. Come on, so making a difference in our city and then our nation and then our world. So we just believe just dreaming big for God in all of these avenues. And we shared at the end of the message or the end of the video last week actually about our vision for where we see God taking us 16 months from now, which is into the largest venue in our city, the near 1100 seat. Molson Canadian Theater at Hard Rock Casino is already booked for Easter 2020. Come on, we're not just, we're like, we're filling it up. Everyone in our city is going to know that we're having church at the casino, glory to God, 16 months. And what I love is that y'all just keep having faith that is further ahead than we're even expecting as leaders in the church. Like, it's just kind of blowing us away. Like, we were wanting to end that video last week talking about starting a second service, but then... Y'all just invited people so quickly that we were like, well, we have to start a second service because now we got people sitting on the stairs. Well, we'll have to move that. I was like, I, you know, I want to be able to say as your pastor, like, I'm way out in front of y'all, but you're just like, your faith is surprising us, right? So here's what happened this last week, too. We said at the beginning of this series that we had uh, a vision that God would enable us to raise $60,000 in a one-time offering on, in two weeks on December 2nd. We only come once a year and say, let's do something over and above our regular giving connected to Big Vision. And so last year, our, our, our faith goal was $25,000. And that was a big goal in year number one. And I'm like, you know, I got a lot of faith, right? Like, I got a lot, like a lot of faith. Let's more than double it, right? More than double, always a big vision, right? Like, come on, I, used, I was praying about it, Lord, more than double. And I kind of felt as I was praying about it, it wasn't enough. And, but, but I just like, I was like, but more than double, Lord. More than double is always like a big deal, right? Like, I had more than like Elijah to Elisha, double portion. I'm like double portion and some, okay? So like, I feel like that's the right amount to go. And, and, but the Lord knew. And so this last week, we gathered 27 people, just this small little group of people that, as Pastor Troy mentioned, we do next steps. And step number two is a spiritual gifts assessment. 
And as he said, that's happening today right after the service. 89% of Christians don't know the gift that's on their life, so it's hard to find your purpose. If you don't know the gift God wired into your life, so you can, I'll see you there. Uh, and so, so finding your gift, well, we've had people self-assess in Next Steps as having a gift of giving. And we've had some people, just unusual generosity as well. We just, you know, so we sent out an invitation to just those people. You've said you have a gift of giving, so come on, let's, let me just share vision in this room. So it's a tiny, tiny room, a few people in the room. We talk about the vision. I say, I want you guys to go first because they're the gift of giving on your life. And I want to be able to stand up in front of the church on Sunday and say, hey, guess what? We went to these people that have a gift of giving. And, and here's what we're going to do. Well, 27 people, we said, pray about it. At the end of the night, they filled out the faith cards that you've got in your seat. And we've got faith cards look just like this. They, we collected them all up. They have faith to, together as 27 people give over $44,000 to Heart for the House in two weeks. So I felt a little bit weird going to like the 300 plus remainder of us and just saying, hey, guess what? Y'all got $16,000 you got to raise, right? So your faith is out in front. We've upped the goal to $100,000. Come on, how many believe with me that it's great to dream big for God? And I just want to say, we don't pick these numbers at random. I said this last week, early this year, as I was on a flight home from Atlanta, God just spoke to me and said, write down on paper $300,000 of future vision. And the church will determine the pace of it, but those are things you're going to do. And so as we're upping the goal, it's not like, oh, no, what are we going to do? we got to come up with some stuff. We're just like, no, we're just going to accelerate the stuff God already gave us to do as a church. Come on, somebody, your faith is outpaced. I'm not even preaching yet, but be better than the 930, right? Come on, be, be, have some pride and just step it up. 930, I don't even know. I don't know who they were, but they were quiet, and uh, God bless them. God bless them. Here's what God's doing. Ephesians says this, God's building a home. You know, this isn't an organization. And this isn't just a place where we come and we sit with seats facing forward. You know what God wants to do in our lives? He wants to make this family. Come on, somebody. It's God's building a home. The Bible is just full of this familial language that God is building a home. And he's using all of us irrespective of how we got here in what he's building. It means it doesn't matter. I met someone after the first service. It was their second time in church in their whole life. They drove out from Vancouver and just to come to church. They come the last two weeks, first time ever in church. They're like, I'm spiritual. I don't know what it means. I'm just on a journey. But man, I just enjoyed church. And I was like, that's great because I just talked about giving. So that was amazing. Praise God. God's using all of us in what he's doing. Doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter if you walked in this morning and you were thinking, I'm just giving God one last shot to prove to me he's real. Come on, that happens all the time in our church. Maybe that's you here today. God's in this place. He's gonna use all of us. He's got a plan for us in what he's doing. And now he used the apostles and prophets. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, which means, come on, there's a purpose for you. God wants to build something on you. And you're like, my life's a hot mess. How's gonna God build gonna any? I don't even, how's God gonna build anything on me? Well, this is how, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. Come on, he holds all parts together. He takes the hot mess of our lives and he puts it together so he can build something off of it. And this is what we see as a church. Come on, we see it taking shape day after day. I wanna share a story as we start this morning that I've never shared in 10 years of pastoring. And trust me, I think I've shared basically every story I have. In fact, I will just repeat stories and try and make them slightly different so that you don't know it's the same story. Like, I don't have that many stories. You know, I, I think, you know, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm youngish, right? So I'm youngish, but I've never shared this one. Ten years of pastoral ministry. And you'll probably see why. It's not really one to be super proud of. 
I think I'm like a lot of people in that I've always believed in God, but at times in my life, I've, I've drifted away from God's call. I've drifted away from really serving God wholeheartedly. And one of those seasons was early on in our marriage. And I would wake up on Sunday mornings and I would turn to Rachel and I'd say, I'm just really not feeling that good. I don't think I want to go to church today. And at times, Rachel would actually, early in our marriage, go to church on her own because I was dealing with, and I talk about this at Next Steps, dealing with depression in my life from overuse of my hands at work that now my hands were completely numb and I tell that story there. So I would wake up and I wouldn't want to go to church and I wouldn't go to church and at times she'd go by herself. And I just tell that story this morning. You know, I just want to stop there for a moment because there's some people and, and maybe you're here today and you've been coming to church without your spouse week after week after week. I just want to say to you, come on, don't give up. 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 And so at that place of pain, a friend recommended to us to try or check out the city church in Seattle because the pastor was preaching about healing and on a regular basis, and I was dealing with pain in my body. And I began to check it out in the ministry of Pastor Wendell Smith and a great church there. And Rachel and I started going down several weekends to here. And it was just amazing to go into that room because I would step into that room, and it's amazing. No matter what I was feeling, no matter how heavy I felt when I walked in, I would leave that place feeling free. I would leave that place feeling like a miracle had happened in my heart. And physically, I was still struggling. But a miracle was happening in my life. And so we would go down there sometimes. And we were going down on this one weekend. And we felt like we needed to give an investment, a financial investment into what they were doing because of the ministry we were receiving. And as we were driving down there, Mr. Frugal and Miss Generous were talking in the car about what we should give. And we decided that we would give everything that we had at that point. We were early in our careers. It was about $3,000. You know, we, were, we had a lot of debt from school. But, you know, if you take that little, like, what assets do you have? That was basically what we had. And we decided we would give all that, which, little side note, you can tell who wins arguments in our house, right? So Miss Generous. And uh, so we gave everything that we had at that point in time. And here's why I tell that story, not so that you can say, Yay, Pastor Shane and Rachel. It's really not a story to be super proud of, of where I was at in my life. Here's why I tell you that story this morning. I want you to see and I want you to start to believe that God will lead you out of a place of difficulty, sometimes with a seed of faith. In my own life, I was in a place of victimhood. I was like, I have something that I had was taken away from me. My health was taken away from me. And I feel like now I'm not able to do the things with my life that I wanted to be able to do. And with a gift of faith, God began to shift my mentality from I'm a victim to I'm not going to go through this life as a victim, thinking that everything's against me and everything's gone wrong. I don't care that I've lost some things. I still have something that I can give to God. I remember driving through Surrey in that season, and I remember trying to rehab, and I remember saying to God, and I never thought that God would do what he did, but I remember saying to God, God, I, I don't, I've, I've lost a lot of stuff, but I still have a voice. Could you use my voice? I never thought, I never saw this. But with a gift, with a seed of faith, God began to break victim mentality off my life. And wouldn't you know it, that as we went from victim to believing to be able to be givers, that it was just a few weeks later when I quit my job, believing in faith, just that I was gonna volunteer at the church, that my work paid me to not show up. And again, I tell that story at Next Steps. Is it any wonder when we went from victim to giver that God began to do miracles in our life? I wanna read to you a passage of scripture that's one of my favorite in the Bible. It's 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and you'll see verse eight is just one of the coolest verses about who God is. But it starts with this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give, give as he has decided in his heart. 
Side note right there, that's why we show you a vision video on week one, not right before we take up the offering. Because we are not interested in pulling your heartstrings with a video on slavery and then having you give spontaneously because the Bible says God's after a decided giver. Like he wants you to go home and pray about it. That's why we put this card in your seat this morning. Not because we want to somehow manipulate you. Come on, we want you to go home and pray. We want you to go home and have a decision. We want you to go home and have a conversation as a couple. Over a couple weeks, what could God do? And so you could either fill that card out, drop it in our giving and card box, or just take it home. Come on, let's be decided givers. I'm all for spontaneous giving. But the Bible says each one should give as, as he's decided. And just here's what I want to even say about that. It's just, I'm going to save it for later. <laughs> Verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you. Come on, watch these alls. So that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. Here's what God has for your life. Come on, picture this. All grace. God's got not 80% of the grace that you need. He's got 100% of the grace you need today. And when that grace begins to flow in your life, you're going to begin to experience all things at all times so that you can have all sufficiency. But it's not for us. Why is it? It's so what we can do with this series is all about, so we can make a difference in every good work. Now, I'm not saying that you can't go out and buy a new shirt. Yesterday, I had the girls with me, and, and it was just a crazy day. Rach was doing some sort of shower, uh, you know, like the whatever ladies do when they get together and they can't have the kids with them. And so it's like a shower for someone's baby or something like that. It was a family member. I shouldn't say that. Uh, and so I had the girls with me, but I just wanted to look fresh on a Sunday. You know what I mean? Like I just wanted to, this is when I want to look fresh. And so, and it's so funny. We had a conversation. This is, had nothing to do with the message. This is just, this is just for free. I said to Rach yesterday, I'm like, babe, I went out this year and I bought all the short pants. You know what I'm saying? The short pants, like the hand, pants that are like, you know, they're kind of hemmed like that. I bought a truckload of pants that were hemmed like that. And I'm like, well, no one's doing it anymore. Like, I want to be out front, but not so far out front that everyone's like, why is he dressed like that? And so I said to Rach, the short pants are over. And then Beck gets up this morning and worship leads wearing the short pants. And I'm like, see, I, I, I gave up too soon. <laughs> you see me wearing the short pants next week. So God, God bless your life. But why has God blessed your life? It's not for us. It's not so we can build a church. It's not so we can have fancy lighting. It's so we can make a difference. All things, all times, all sufficiency. Why? Good works. Do something great for God. And so what I want to do over the next few minutes, I want to deconstruct two myths that just stand in the way of God. Just God. You know, this conversation about money can make people uncomfortable. And I, I think God is okay with that. I think he doesn't mind offending you from time to time when you're off. And so God this morning is just going to come and just massage our hearts. But here's the good news. Come on, somebody. God is for you. And by the time we finish this thing up, my goodness, we are going to see the way Jesus teaches about generosity. We're going to eventually see, ultimately, I don't even think at the end of the day, we're the givers. So here we go. Let's dive in. Let's bust down a couple myths. Myth number one, the church is after your money. It's a semi-myth because some church is not this one, might be after your money. I met a guy a couple weeks at Next Steps, a couple months ago, actually. And I love the, I love the honesty of, of this guy. Uh, he said to me, I said, you know what, this is how we handle resources. But you might be here and you think, man, the church is just after my money. He came up to me afterwards. He's like, to pastor, totally me. I 100% I think the church is after my money. Always thought it, thought it since I was a kid. Kind of saw it in the church. Like, you know what, I loved his honesty. So cool. Love that guy. So 
You know what else I love? I love the Bible is honest about these things too. Because you know what Paul said? Paul said some pe- preach Christ from selfish ambition. So you know what? You might have been around a church that wanted your money, honestly. You might have heard about a church that was just after money. That happens. It's why I want to say to you, come on, investigate this house. When we say live to give, investigate that we do it, right? Look at our finances. Look at the way we live. Look at the posture of our church. Come on. You need to know that last year we, we lit, uh, as a church, we, we did ministry off of 86% of what came in. In year number one of our church, we gave away 14%. You got my word as your pastor. Honestly, from now, for as long as I'm the pastor of Resonate Church, we're going to increase that giving number every year. That's just my heart. That's what we're going to do. We're going to give more than that this year. Right now, we're not ticking along there, but we are going to get, by the end of the year, we'll be at 15%. I promise you, we're, we live to give. You need to know that we're passionate. You need to know that we care about you. Just kick the tire. That's why I say the homeless shelter. It's your generosity that's allowing us to show up every day this week and make breakfast and lunch. And then y'all are bringing dinners that are working hundreds. Come on. If you're wondering if that's what this heart's, if that's what you're wondering, if there's a heart of generosity in this place, come on, kick the tires. Investigate. I mean that very sincerely. So myth number one, the church is after your money. Semi-myth, this church is not after your money. Second myth, second myth, this one's really awesome. Second myth is that when you have more, you'll give more. It's like we, I used to think this one, you know, I was reading, I was reading again earlier this year from a newspaper, uh, because I'm old like that, uh, I was, and it's like the finance section, so I'm like super old like that, but I was reading it on my phone, so I'm still on the border of being a millennial. So I'm reading the old guy stuff on my phone, and I saw this survey by a, a finance company that said one out of every three people that makes over $150,000 a year, so that's like one hundred fifty dollars to like a $1 Somewhere, anyone that makes between $150,000 and, you know, as my daughter, Avia, would say, a, a gazillion or whatever. Like, you know, anywhere in that whole range, everybody in that range, of that group of people, one in three has nothing saved for retirement. The group of people that we would, I think, all say, you know what, uh, they've got enough. They, maybe that's you. It's not me, but God, glory to God, maybe it's you. It's like, well, I, I've, I, that's enough. I think most of us would say that I have enough to live and I got enough to save. Zero, why, why, why? Here's why, here's why. Because what we do with a little, we do with a lot. Like if you don't, if you're not generous with a little, you're probably not gonna be generous with a lot. And the Bible talks about this, the Apostle Paul. How many have met somebody, they were dirt poor, but generous. You spend some time with them, you're like, bro, that guy is filthy rich. He's got nothing, but they're generous, amazing people. Paul writes, uh, and he talks about this group of churches a collection of churches in Macedonia. And listen to what he says about this group of churches. This is the, this is the people that, like, they have nothing, but they're still generous. Watch this. It says, their abundance of joy, and watch this. So first of all, they're, they're happy people, and watch this. Their extreme poverty. So fly that in your face, Canadians. Happy poor people, right? Goes against everything we believe. Okay. Happy, extremely poor people. What'd they do? They overflowed with what? A wealth of generosity. And you know what? I honestly believe this. I believe we all want to be generous. I, I believe that with my whole heart. Why? I honestly do. 
because God wired generosity into us. When you give to something and not under compulsion or not because some pastor said to, when you just give out of a heart that's welled up and it's just generous, you know what it does? Your brain's just like, ah, Christmas tree. It just lights all the pleasure parts of your brain are like, yes, more so than when you buy that fresh new shirt for a Sunday, right? Like, all, it's just, it's, your brain just freaks out. It's amazing. God wired it into us. So here's why I think that a lot, that we struggle with it so much. It's not that we're stingy. It's that we're strapped. It's that we've spent all that we made and more sometimes. And there's a million reasons now to not take that step of faith that God's called me to take. And so what I want us to do over the remaining few minutes of this morning's talk is to talk about an illustration Jesus gives about money. And you might not have ever seen this, this, uh, this biblical story before from the lens of generosity, but I think Jesus is teaching about generosity, particularly how can I be generous when it feels like I got nothing to give? Watch this, Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. Are you with me, 1115? You still with me? I know you got, you got hushed down because it was like, you know, we're talking about generosity, live to give. And the problem is, if y'all clap me down in this part, everyone thinks you're rich. And you're worried about that. You're worried. You're like, man, I don't want them to think I'm the guy that was like, you know, 44. I'm giving it all. Like, no. It's, so, but you know what? Let's just get it out there. Elephant in the room. If you cheer, the, like you, you might be the, the happy poor person. Doesn't matter. Here we go. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them. Number one emotion associated with Jesus in the Gospels, compassion. You're here this morning, you think God's mad at you. Chances are he's looking at you with compassion. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him. And they said, this is a desolate place. The hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something. But he answered them, nah, you give them something to eat. Lesson number one, Jesus is teaching here on generosity. Lesson number one, sometimes God will ask you to give more than you have because he knows he's got more than you need. God wants to expand your view of what you believe is possible, and he's willing to endure your uncomfortability while you handle the big ask he just made of you. God is willing to endure your awkwardness and uncomfort when he asks you to do something you didn't think you could do. Why? Because he wants to expand your belief as to what was possible. Sometimes God will ask you to do more than you think you can do because he knows he's got more than you need. Jesus says, nah, I want you to give them something to eat. Jesus knows full well they don't have anything. Lesson number two, let's read on. Verse 37, they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Do you notice how I slipped over that word denarii, denarii? I didn't really want you to hear. I didn't know how to pronounce it. Verse 38, and he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Oh my goodness. Before I bless you, go count what you've got. This one might hurt a little bit for some of us in the room. Before I bless you, go put a budget together. Before I bless you, go count what you have. Anybody but me find that I'm, you're able to give more when you know what's going on? Man, when, I'm not, when, I'm not, when we're not planning what we're doing with our finances, I never feel like we can give. Why? I just don't think we have anything. And then I go into, into Mint and I, and I do the budget and I'm like, oh, my, we spend what? I spent how much at Starbucks? Oh, my goodness. 
Rachel spent how much at Starbucks? Oh, my goodness. That's another story for another day. Do you think the 1115 deserves that story? You think so? Oh, my goodness. So this one day, <laughs> 9.30 doesn't get this, but we got no time constraints, right? Where you got to be? Next steps. Anyways, this one day, a credit card company, I don't really know that, you know, it's one of those ones that I had when I was, like, in university, so we don't really pay attention to it. We don't pay it because we never buy anything on it. But we had this season where like our cards got all messed up and we had to put a couple things on it. And one of the things we put on it was like an auto reload at Starbucks. Okay. A rage, an auto reload at Starbucks. So anyways, the card company calls me one day. I never think of paying it. They call me up. They're like, you owe a bunch of money. And I'm like, okay, well, what do I owe money for? And they're like, you spend this much money at Starbucks. And I'm like, I can promise you, I don't even have to talk to my wife. That's fraud. That's fraud, thousand percent. Market is fraud. Let's figure that out. Let's track that criminal down, all right? <laughs> I hang up the phone, I call Rachel, I'm like, babe, this credit card company just told me we spend this much money at Starbucks. She's like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> That's why you come at 11.15. Anyways. But Jesus looks and says, count what you've got. We need, to, we need maybe to put some things in order. You maybe need to know what I have going on so I could know what generosity would look like. Well, watch this. Let's keep moving. That's lesson number two. Here's lesson number three. Then he commanded them, sit down in the groups, uh, in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. Hundreds and fifties. The organization of this thing is amazing. And I think here's lesson number three. Sometimes God's going to say, I want you to get some things together in your life before I'm going to bless you. Come on, let's get some, come on, stop praying for stuff you're not willing to be disciplined for. That's, that's, I'm preaching to myself this morning, honestly. We ask God, God, would you, and, 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 we, and God's saying, you know what, I need you to organize this area of your life because I want to bless you. And I want you to feel that pleasure of being the giver that you think you are when really it's me. But I want you to get that. I want you to feel that pleasure. I want to work through you. You got to organize a couple things in your life. Here's what some organization might look like. As a church, we always say this. End of every service, you'll know this. I say we never ask you for money, ever. Ever, ever, ever. This is all we ever do. I pray and ask God, and then I say, hey, would you be willing to ask God? That's what we say every end of every service. And, and I know what we need as a church, and so I pray. I, I pray specifically. I'm like, God, this is what we need right now as a church. And we praise God. He's, he's, he's blessed us and, and for your generosity. That's how we do. We snap, we're never going to come and say, hey, we need you know, $10,000 to go do this thing. It's not what we do. We're just going to pray and ask God, trust God to speak to you. But for some people in the room, I think it's time to set the intentionality that you're going to start to percentage give. Because it's what the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about giving a tithe. And let me help you with this. Jesus, or not Jesus, the Bible says, God says in Malachi, the only, thing, only time in the Bible God says, test me. He says, test me in this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So start giving me 10% of what everything I give you. Test me in this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. Listen, I believe the most important thing is pray and ask God what he would have you to do. I love that. That's our heart. That's the way we'll handle it. But for some people in the room, it's time to take an intentional step and say, I'm going to test God in this. And I want to help you test God in this. Our treasurer was in the first service, and I asked him if we could do this. And he said it would be complicated. And I said, well, you're the treasurer. Figure it out. If you will test God with tithing for 90 days, if God does not move in your life, let us know, and we'll give it back. That's just like, if God says test, I don't know any other way to test God than you've got a money back guarantee. So go ahead, 90 days, test God. We'll help you with the test. And I, he said to me the whole thing about like, it's, it's over a year end. We will have receded them for the giving. And how would we handle that? And I'm like, well, you're the treasurer. Please let me pastor. You figure out CRA. 
I don't, I don't know. I used to be an accountant, and, and uh, some days I wish I still was, but because uh, there's just something really fun about numbers and counting, but um, do, do you, like, there's no similarity between accounting and pastoring. <laughs> I don't know. Did I miss it with that calling or this one? That or this? Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. Lesson number four, taking five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven. He said a blessing, broke the loaves and gave to the disciples to set before the people. Message says it this way. Jesus gave bread to the disciples and the disciples gave it to the people. Here's, you know, I was wondering as I was studying this text, is the reason he wanted them numbered and counted off so that he could allocate certain people to certain disciples? He's like, Matthew, there's your 450. John, there's your 450. Peter, there's your 450. And as I began to wonder that, I began to wonder, is there people on the other side of what God wants to flow through me? Like, I don't mean this as a heavy, but I mean, I, I just, let me just look at this internally in my own life. Are there people waiting on the other side of me being open-handed with what God put in my hand? And I don't, I'm not so small-minded to think that if, if, if we don't give, that that's like God's out of luck. No, God, God's bigger than all of us. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need your money. But just the heart and mindset to say, no, God, God attached some significance to that thing that he's flown into your life. That's lesson number five. One more, and this is my favorite one, verse 41. Jesus divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. At the end of the day, they ended up with more than they started with. Isn't it interesting that when it comes to generosity, we live with the perspective that I'm the giver? Like, I'm going to do something for God. Like, I, God, I'm going I'm to give something to you. And at the end of the day, God's like, why don't you fly the scope back a little bit and realize, like, you know what I actually wanted to do? I wanted to fill your life with the joy of being a generous person. And I actually wanted you to move forward and accelerate the place you were because at the end of the day, if you will truly live the principles that I've called you to live, you will always end up with more than you started with. I'm not saying just finances. I'm saying in every area of your life, we survey God that you cannot outgive. If you can ever bring the scope back far enough, you will always find he's given you more than you've given him. Come on, if you fly the scope of your mind back out and you look at what's going on in your life, God is always putting more in than he is asking you to give out. That is the God that we serve. So as a church, we say we live to give. And for the next few minutes as we return back into worship, I'm gonna invite you to just begin to worship from a place of passion. Here's why. Because what God starts out asking for obedience in your life, whether it's giving, whether it's prayer, whether it's worship, God never wants to leave you there. He always wants to bring you to a place 
of passion in response to who he is. What might start for you as an act of faith and an act of obedience, and it might even feel like duty. God's gonna say, come on, son, come on, daughter. Let me take that obedience and transfer that into some passion in my presence. Would you stand all over the room? God, I thank you for your words today, God. And we have done our best today to declare the God that you are, but yet, God, our words come so miserably short of declaring the goodness of God. I pray, God, that we would, as we respond in worship, fly back our perspective and be able to see that we are and have always only ever been recipients of who you are. We worship you in this place. Come on, let's worship with open hearts, with all that we have in our Jesus' name. Can't go back to the beginning Can't control what tomorrow will bring But I know here in the middle Is the place where you promised to be Sing, I'm not enough I'm not enough unless you come. Would you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here
Jesus, in this atmosphere of worship, I'll just invite you to keep your heads bowed for a moment because you might be here. And, and the generous God you need to encounter today is a God of salvation. The one Bible verse you know says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I believe there's some people in the room today that you've never made that faith decision to say, I believe God gave his son so I could know forgiveness and eternal life. And today before you leave this place, you need to receive God's mercy and God's salvation given to you by an act of extreme grace and mercy. And how do you receive it? Most by simple faith. So in a moment, we're gonna pray a prayer of, of receiving. And really, that's all it is. We won't center you out or embarrass you in any way. It's just going to be a prayer of receiving what God has already done for you. But it will take the surrender of your whole life to who he is. It's just believing faith. But today, God's saying, will you, will you choose to surrender your life to me? And so in this moment, just between you and God, if that's you in the room, feel God pulling at your heart. You're saying, today I need to, I want to become a Christian. Today I'm giving my life to Jesus. This is my moment. Or, or maybe you're here and you know you need to make a recommitment of your life. I'm not just talking like you've had a rough week, a couple weeks. I mean, you, you know you've walked away from God and today you're saying, I'm going to fully surrender my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up in the room? Just between you and God. Say, yeah, that's me in this place. Would you pray with me? So great, so great, yeah, amazing. So great. I saw one hand shoot up as high as it could to the sky. I don't know if I missed anybody else between you and God. Let's pray, church. Say this with me, and if you raise your hand, just, just say this from your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I give you my life because you gave your for me. I believe you died and rose again. So by faith, I'm forgiven and free in Jesus. Help me follow you. I'm yours. Amen. Amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate like it's 1999? That faith decision in the room today.